podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to another episode, ladies and gents, of post-conference presser for Anfield Index. This time it's ahead of the Brentford game at a late Saturday afternoon kickoff. I'm your normal host, Dave Davis, to you, coming from actually a pretty decent Edinburgh for once. There's no rain, it's not wind glashing across, so we'll take that, all things considered. It's the normal format that we've got, so we'll talk through Jurgen Klopp's comments and the questions he was posed. We'll talk through any clues from the Fulham game, the 1-0 victory the other night. We'll talk through the threats that Brentford provide, and there's a fair few there, in all honesty. We'll look at the potential formation and lineup with team news in mind. And at the same time, we will do the normal prediction of the first scorer and the correct score, which I will get hopelessly wrong. But... Let's get into it straight away. So quite a few topics asked of Jurgen Klopp, quite a few questions, (laughs) maybe stirring a bit at times is the right phrase, but it's understandable why the journalist asked those. And again, as normal, it is important to say there is an embargo for Friday night, 10.30. So just want to keep an eye on. So the first question, probably no surprise to anyone with the coronation this weekend, Jurgen Klopp was asked about the announcement from the club that they will, or the confirmation you could say, they will play the national anthem before the game and the club's statement. Nice straight back again, as we say from Jurgen here, the club's position is my position. It's a subject I can't really have a proper opinion on. I'm 55 years old and from Germany, etc. It's mentioned that he likes the weddings and the pageantry of it all, etc. And I get why you said this. It was the right political answer. But let's be honest, people, this is a joke. This is a big political situation, even that the club have put themselves into. Because it's interesting that the club had said they were consulting the supporters board, if anyone clocked that this week. I would bet really good money what supporters club told them on their opinions. But it was more a, so we can say we've consulted. We knew what they were doing. It was a political play. The reason for doing this as well at the same time by the Premier League, it's political. Everyone knows what the reaction is going to be at Anfield. It's not headlines, yet people will make out that it is. Everyone knows the sentiment for good, honest reasons. We know what will happen. It is absolutely preposterous. It really is. So the only positive I'm going to take from this part is, realistically, we know what's going to happen. But just wait for the roar afterwards because it's about the team. So when we get those non-headlines news, we know what's coming. Let's just go from it from there. 
The next topic was about, funnily enough, almost linked to one club, really, Brighton. So chat about James Milner and Vinnie O'Connor, because it was his second question, and linked it to Alexis McAllister at the same time, which I understand why he did it. There's a lot of talk about Alexis right now, isn't it? I like the way Jurgen Klopp laughed at the McAllister part as well. You know, said that we're doing this in press conferences now, are they? And anything you can tell us, no. Nicely done. Did want to talk about Millie, understandably. And as he said, Millie knows how highly I value him and I want to work with him for longer, but it's up to Millie to say. I like that. I looked at the Tony Barrett just to check. There was no almost statement been released, which tells you something's probably imminent, but wanted to give Millie that platform. Nothing is mentioned as well. There's nothing in the last seven years has happened without Millie, obviously. I, I thought it was well-worded, well-put, and I think we all know what's going to happen. It seems 99.99% certain that James Milner is joining Brighton. In, in the nature of the roles, maybe a bit uncertain, this player, potential player coach role, as it were, but he's absolutely right in everything he said. I think what's also interesting is Jurgen Klopp has made it clear that he would like Milner to continue, but I think a lot of us fans feel the same way. I'm not speaking for all of us necessarily, but it's sense over sentiment. It is the right time, maybe similar to Bobby, but what a send-off he'll get when it happens, when it gets announced. The top four, that was the next part. Natural prying question, because they're trying to get this story back in, aren't they? Are you there? Can you catch them? Are you going to get it? All, all the things they're looking for Jurgen Klopp to say. Again, Nice, sensible, straight back. A bit of Carol Vorderman style as well here, because he almost played all the scenarios and the analogies, running through all the mathematics and the points. I really liked it, but was honest about the top four. Not really. Other teams in much better positions. And actually, I'm a bit concerned about the teams behind us. You know, Brighton, they're incredible at the moment. Funny that, Jürgen. Rumour has it you like a few of their players at the same time as well. Mentioned that we can get 71. That's the maximum United. Gave the you know the scenario, the mathematics around their points. Also, then start to link it to Brentford this weekend. You know, it's so difficult. So, it, there was another follow up question I should say from a journo, but I think he just dealt with this in the right way. You know, he mentioned all the other teams, how good they were. I think you can tell for most fans, it's a forlorn hope at best. There's no expectation there. It is what it is type of thing. So all we can do is finish the season strongly. And what will be, will be. Next question we're interested in is about the feel of it, so to speak. Does it feel different in recent times, you know, with your results, what's happening? Understandable. I like the way Jürgen answered this, that it's kind of a, a freshness needed. We needed that moment and we got it in the second half against Arsenal. It's made coaching nicer. You know, we, we defended better and he admitted, despite the fact we are conceding chance, we know it. It's still better and we're more controlled. I like, again, what he was saying here, and I agree with that. Very much referencing that second half against Arsenal as the catalyst for everything. I think everyone in the stadium and at home felt that. Like It was almost the mate where we said that moment, I've had enough of this as a team, and that was the change. And since then, obviously, there's been a few rocky moments. We'll, we'll come on to the other night, don't get me wrong, but... It has been positive overall and it is important that does get acknowledged and that momentum keeps going, as it were. Nice easy one about the FA charge. Any updates? We responded, nothing more and we wait. So nothing really you can say on that, but 
it is supposed to be by this weekend, wasn't it, that we have to have our submissions in, or Jürgen has to have our submissions in, as it were. So we'll see shortly on that one and kept ready for probably a big bam, but let's see. Was asked then about the formation change and the long term and you know, will you keep it? I thought that was a really good question. Mentioned that in the last seven years, we have changed aspects of our game naturally. You know, it's not just something that's coming overnight. With the, this season, and again, I thought this was a decent summary by the manager. He's almost back in form himself, isn't he? It didn't work out necessarily all the great time with a new front line and a new setup. Sometimes we were too high, sometimes we were too deep. I know it's going a bit daft punk, better, harder, stronger, faster, and all that, but this is what he said. And I couldn't recognize us at times. I like this line, though. The counter press has become a law, not a proposal. He's been really clear on this in recent weeks, hasn't he? That the, the way into this team is to counter press. I like the way he said it. It's the law, it's not a proposal. And he was keen to emphasise at the end of the journal, straight-eyed, this is not to do with any kind of system. So pretty direct there, pretty detailed what Jürgen was saying. And then the final question, usually, if you've identified in the last few weeks, it's a, a singular player that's selected. We've had Diaz talked about, Darwin, even Connor Bradley at one point, but there was no real specific player. It's more a few, so it was talked about, You've had a few people who can play different positions. So Darwin from the front, off the left. Luis Diaz, off the left from the front. Cody, off the left from the front. All those types. And you kind of see Jurgen Klopp's like, yeah, you're telling me this, Karl Markham, because... And then naturally, the, the evolution of that question was around, well, the original front three used to be locked in, the OGs, didn't they? Mane left, Bobby middle, Salah right. So that was where he was going with it and had a little smile at that, which is understandable. But as he said, maybe a straightforward answer again, we signed these players that we knew could play in different positions. We wanted those options. We wanted that flexibility. So it was a natural question, a natural answer. And that was probably the, the right feel, I'd say, for the, the press conference. It were very natural. There was nothing out the ordinary, so to speak, nothing unexpected. There was nothing that sent Clock down a rabbit hole. He straight batted again, everything really well. That was the tone of the press conference. So, again, the show rumbles on. So, looking back to the other night, the Fulham clues, what a strange game, people. It's a 1-0 win, a Mo Salah penalty, which Darwin Nunes won. A really, really strange game, if we give an honest assessment. I mean, it's, I thought it started really well, really well. We were on the front foot. It was bright. And in simple terms, Trent Alexander-Arnold was magnificently pulling all the strings with Curtis Jones as an able deputy. I mean, that stat at half-time, 100% ball retention. I know it's easy to label, oh, he goes side. No, he doesn't just go sideways and back all the time. Sometimes he gets it in a tight spot and he keeps the ball. You know, but Trent, the little pirouette, the little spin, we were well worth that lead at half-time. Even if the penalty, it's a strange one. People say, oh, it's a dive. I was like, minimal contact, you can call it what you want. You saw the action, it's a penalty. End of story. The second half, probably a different story. I mean, we needed Allison a few times. Let's not lie from Vinicius and others, but we definitely needed, you know, the holy goalie there. As well, We, you can see Jürgen was trying to change it. We used all five subs, but there was still no real control, even with, you know, Hendo coming on, the people, you know, Milner at times. It, it just didn't really seem to... I don't know how to put it. We weren't holding on desperately at the end. 
but it wasn't comfortable and there was a sense of relief at the final whistle. One person I had to say I was really impressed with, I'm probably butchering his name here, Palina, Palida, however you want to pronounce it, the Portuguese Fulham midfielder. Now, he's on our list and for obvious reasons, we all know that, the only thing that's going to count against him is his age. Then again, if he was four years younger, say, or even you know, 24, 23 even, the price would be a lot higher. That simple, but very, very impressive for them. And I, I actually thought he got the better at times of, of our midfield after giving that. I thought he was the most impressive one on show. But the show rumbles on, a 1-0 victory, and on we move. If we talk about players playing their way in and out, I think there's a few solidified and a few lost even further grip, if I'm being honest. I mean, Curtis and Trent, Trent especially, I know that, but I don't want to ignore Curtis's part. I think he's been so good recently and so important to the system, so I want to give him his due that way. Really important. And the normal suspects come to the party. We know what Alisson gives us. We know what Salah gives us. It's not about playing their way in in or out. We just need him. The two who I'd probably mention as just losing that grip, as I talked about before, Darwin. I thought, I know he wins the penalty, fair play, and he brings the element of chaos. It just looks for me with this system change, if you take Bobby away because he's going out, these five senior forwards, it well and truly, as Klopp's talked about with counter-pressing, he seems, you know, five out of five on the preference rankings. And do I think he really pushed himself up? Not really. I think it was probably a sign where said Gakpo, Jota, more chance. I almost wonder if it more he got the chance because of the rotation and Jota's not to the back, which we'll talk about as well. But I don't really think it was a great game for Darwin there. Costas Simicas, I mean, there's been a lot of talk, hasn't there, about Andy Robertson and is he suited? If Andy Robertson's not suited, I don't know how you'd describe Costas Simicas. He's obviously he's a dangerous crosser. We know that. We know he can bring assists, but it just doesn't look like this system is for him. Now, I want to be clear here because this is not just writing people off or saying no chance for it, all that type of stuff. But you would really hope we just see something before the end of the season from that pairing because, especially with Darwin, you hope for the summer, the English, all those things, your know, language skills improving, gets used to it, blah, blah, blah. But they're just looking well down the pecking order, shall we say as it stands. So they're definitely ones to keep an eye on. But what do I know? I didn't have them in the starting lineup. I still feel it's more for rotation than preference, but let's see what happens. And moving on to this weekend, Brentford. Strange team, in a way, with dangers and real threats, though it's important to say. Similar to Fulham in what we saw recently, they are mid-table. So these guys, Brentford the Bees, are ninth, right sandwiched in mid-table. Four behind Villa ahead of them. Five ahead of Fulham below them. However, you know, let's not dismiss this by any means. These guys have won their last two and drawn. So the last three, they pitched seven out of nine. It's the standard 4-3-3 that they play. I like Thomas Frank's manager with Ivan Tony in the middle. And again, I'm probably going to butcher these names, but I think it's pronounced Mbemo on one side and the German forward Sade on the other, the youngster who took a while to settle, but You've got to talk about them as a threat. No two ways about it. We know Ivan Tony probably have a bit of a gamble on himself this weekend, notching at Anfield. He is the main man. We know what he brings. But very well supported by two able deputies there, Wemo and Sade on either side. They're also just dangerous, as we found out before in the past, from 
set pieces. We have had an absolute nightmare in recent years from set pieces against Brentford. We know what they can do, especially, you know, when they throw the big men up like Pinnock, etc. It causes us problems. So, fingers crossed, we are not talking about anything that is set piece related this weekend at all, full stop. Team news wise, few things were asked and a few things were confirmed in simple terms. So Tiago is out for the season. James Pierce asked, is it, you know, is it that hip again? Yeah, he's had the operation. I like the question he pressed up with though. Will he be fit for pre-season? Yes, that's why we're doing it now. So he's fit for next season. So at least trying to take the positive out of that negative situation. There's no Nabby. Shock. Jota still has that back issue and bruised rib. Again, the boss mentioned about him not being able to train fully still. It did seem kind of, I know it was painful, but a little bit innocuous when Kufal rattled him in the West Ham game. But it's interesting that even now it's still bothering or not allowing full training. The wobbler, Bobby still not in team training. Oh, he's supposed to be back. Everyone's looking their eyes to that calendar, aren't they? That 20th. That Villa game, please, please let Bobby be back for that. And as they said, hopefully he is in team training next week. But we've heard about Bobby hopefulness. We know what this means. It's just starting to get squeaky bum time for his return. Then the other fly in the ointment that just threw from nowhere. Then, And by the way, there's going to be some haters for this. I get it. But it is not good news to hear that Jordan Henderson needs a scan. Something minor Klopp said. We've not got the results. We've heard these type of phrases before, haven't we? So he has to see. But nothing involving a Liverpool player with a scan ever leads to good news, doesn't it? Or a short thing. So it is not a good roundup this week. Just if you sort of creeping in as we run towards the end of the season and not coming back maybe as quickly as we're praying, especially with Bobby. So I suppose if you think about the formation lineup, I'm going to be pretty deadly on this. This is Brentford. We should not be messing around. This is not the time for rotation, maybe like Fulham was. You go as strong as you can. So for me, Alisson, Trent, actually on the team sheet at right back, but we know how he's going to move into that 325 or 3223, however you want to label it. Canate and Virgil. I think there's an argument for, for Matip, but for me, it's Canate all the way and Robbo at left-back, as it were. I know we're going to talk about changing formations, but as the starting point. Midfield, I'm not going to lie, we sound pretty damn sure of options right now. So I'm struggling to see based on the update. And I'm going to be surprised if Hendo starts because nothing really leads to a scan and a start, but who knows? So that tells me it will be Fabinho in the middle, Curtis Jones has got to start on the left, and Harvey Elliott on the right-hand side. It's not what I necessarily want, but I'm struggling to see. It's a knees-must job. You know, Milner very much seems to be coming on as a sub in parts nowadays, back to when we're leading. You know, probably you want him to. So I really can't see any other options. The changes are enforced for me. The forward line, dear Christ, this is a big debate all day, but I'm struggling to see Darwin keeping his place. And as much as I, you know, I have got an affection for Dino. Darwin, the crazy bastard. Literally, I can only see Gakpo up top, Diaz on the left, and Mo on the right. I think it really is that simple, that straightforward. I've said before, on paper and from what we're seeing anyway, 
that is the closest forward line you can put towards the OG front three, which was mentioned in this press conference. It really is. I'd almost like to see them get the run, just because I think gap post growing every game. Luis Diaz as well. I wanted to say this. I didn't mention him against Fulham. He looked back, didn't he? He was beating people. He was dribbling. He was getting fouled. You know, he really, really looks back. It's always hard to believe he's been out for so long because we wanted to give him that bit of a, you know, just the end of the season was more fitness, get back into the rhythm. Let's not expect too much of him. And it's right to still not expect too much of him. Let's be clear. But he looks bloody good, doesn't he? It now literally is Diaz for me, Salah, pick your middle option, Jürgen. But yeah, that's one important to get excited about. But that would be the front three because Nunes, did he do enough to take the shirt off Gakpo? Not for me by any means. He, he tried, almost tried too hard, if I'm being honest. So no, in that regard. And Jota, well, you're not training. You've got a bruised rib. Again, a subs bench option seems the smartest thing. Which leads to the final bit to talk about in regards to this normal segment, score and scorers. So I think the correct score, I think it's going to be a bit of a goal fest. A couple of reasons. We are conceding chances. Brentford are a good team, but again, they do concede goals, despite what people say. There's goals in their matches normally. So I'm actually predicting a real thriller. I'm going to go 3-2 for this game. A Liverpool win, 3-2. It'll be tight. There might be a few hair-raising moments, as it were, but 3-2 is what I am going for. Scorer, I mean, let's be honest. Who's going against Mo Salah right now? Absolute madmen, that's all. I mean, 29 goals now he has for the season, 11 assists. Remember, all we'll keep hearing about is this nonsense, how good Rashford is, all these people. Put, you know, they've not got Salah in the team of the year. Absolute mentalist. There's every chance Mo Salah has 30 goals, you know. He's moving up those charts in every one you can name. So, you don't bet against the Egyptian king. Simple as that. 3-2, Mo Salah first scorer. By the way, neck on the line, if you don't get that first goal, he's getting one. He's getting a winner you would be mental to bet against him. So that is my honest prediction. The only other thing I think it's important to call out, which will be interesting because Alexis McAllister was pushed a little bit, wasn't he? Or asked about in the, the main section. I would love to know if there's anything there in the embargo around Alexis McAllister and future transfers because hopefully there's nothing about a new kit. No one wastes you know, any questions on that. It was good to see that. I think it looks pretty slick in all honesty, but... Let's not waste any time or talk about that. Let's just genuinely hope there's maybe some transfer news investment, or something intimated towards. But off the pitch, really big off the pitch, everything is ramping up right now. It looks positive, but it is a big month ahead. So by the time we come around for these in the future and the last few games, I would love sound like Kevin Keegan now. Love it if we can actually be talking about a transfer being on the verge. So I'd say it's a good time just to be scouting news now, your Liverpool Twitter, all those, even your tapping Romano might have something for you, etc. But as it stands, it's a positive end to the season. Let's keep it going and fingers crossed it does stay that way. Ladies and gents, this has been your normal post-conference presser. I've been Dave Davis. Enjoy the rest of your day. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. 
please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.